Welcome back to episode two of the ATP Circuit Cafe. Come in for a coffee, although this is a digital platform which I can't provide you with a liquid product, so go get it yourself. Now that you're back, throw that coffee away. Pour yourself a glass of pear cider because we're going to get into it today. We previewed Washington for your last episode. We discussed Popperin's victory on the clay and saw other 250s in Austria and Mexico promise some decent matchups. This episode, we're going to recap Washington. We're also going to recap these uh, tournaments in Austria and Mexico briefly. The respective 250s, which saw some stars in the final, in which Washington turned to be rather underwhelming. The last good portion of this episode will revolve around the draw for the Toronto, aka National Bank Open. Djokovic unfortunately pulled out due to fatigue after Wimbledon. I mean, he's 36, but he's a terminator of a human being. Quoting Nole, the Serbian maestro said, I have always enjoyed my time in Canada, but after speaking with my team, we believe this is the right decision to take. I would like to thank Carl, the tournament director, for respecting my decision. I'd still say Carl's a bit upset from that one. It's going to decrease a little bit of revenue, but you got Alcaraz there. Honestly, you'll be right. You got Medvedev, you got Felix Auger Alias in the Canadian favourite, and Milos Rayanich coming back as a wild card. The tournament still looks so promising. I've always loved Toronto. It's provided some nice matchups in the past, and I just like the aesthetic. I don't know. I've always watched the matches on YouTube, like court level matches. Look up this one from last year. I reckon it was Sinner and Kokonakis to two tie breaks on Sinner's birthday. Whoever uploaded that deserves a shout out. Actually, I'll be right back. PTSO on YouTube. That's the uploader, just four letters. And it was actually a three setter. They hit it so well. I got a bit distracted there just watching that for a few minutes. Let's hop back to Washington real quick. As I speak, Dan Evans is versing Talon Griegspoor in center court in the final. But Rain has suspended play at 2-all in the second set. Evans took the first set, 7-5. Neither of these players I really focused on in the last episode as I didn't see this happening. It was a rather disappointing watch, you know. It was a rather disappointing watch, you know. But when tennis players turn on, they do. Watching the last set of Greek Sport v Fritz was ludicrous. Talon played exceptionally well. In fact, the bloke was really shot up the ranks this year. I think he won a 250 in Pune, India. At the start of the year, or maybe made the final. I remember he definitely versed Benjamin Bonzi in the final. Since then, he's solidified himself in the top 50 of the ATP Tour. In fact, he was seated at 28 in Wimbledon, but got dismantled by big man Martin Fuskovic in three sets, 4-2 and 4. Martin can pull it out in Grand Slams. He did this year at the Oz Open. Reckon he made the third round? I'm getting so off topic. Back to Washington, Fritz was clearly frustrated in that last set and was playing good tennis, but not many players were beating Talon when he plays like that. I predicted that TFO would win this tournament when passing the quarterfinals, which he did. He had heaps of hype with Kevin Durant on the court with him after his victory. KD makes TFO look so small, but KD would make anyone look small, right? Watching Kevin Durant play tennis would be so entertaining. He'd suck, but expectedly so. It could be insane, actually. I'm talking smack. Francis met Dan Evans in the quarterfinal, but just couldn't match Evans's unique style of play, overwhelming TFO in his hometown of Washington, 6-4-7-5. Evans hasn't had the best of years, so this is really great for him. Hopefully, he can get a win in the final. I root for him as he plays a weird chip and charge style. I play that as a grass court tennis player. I enjoy watching such unique orthodox tennis. I really like Talon too. Some notable events throughout the Washington include Felix Auger Aliasim's first. Well, first round for him, second for his opponent. Yosuke Watanuki, 25-year-old ATP number 99 from Japan, who took Felix to two tiebreaks, winning tightly 12-10 in the first tiebreak and 7-3 in the second. I think he was exhausted or maybe uh, like overwhelmed with his previous victory in the next match or just a terrible matchup. I don't know. I can't watch every match of tennis. He was against Frenchman in 13th seed Hugo Humbert, 6-love, six 6-2, six who withdrew the quarterfinal match actually next round against Grigor Dimitrov due to a left leg injury as tweeted or X'd by Washington City Open. 
Oh, yeah, I just remembered that for some reason, the climate protest that occurred over there during the tournament um, between Murray and Fritz, it was actually decently orchestrated. No confetti on the courts like Wimbledon Court 18, in which low-wage people would have to sit there and clean it up. I just don't like saying that. Rather, like, there were three groups of people in different areas of the court, like, in the crowd. They just stood up and yelled some stuff, hold up some signs saying, we don't like fossil fuels. You know, it was three minutes. I played tennis on the weekend. I was puffed out. I could have done with some rest, but these are professionals, you know, so I couldn't relate to them. Murray played really well in that match. This was the third round as he had actually defeated American and next-gen ATP winner Brandon Nakashima in the previous round, 7-6-6-4. Yeah, against Fritz, Murray didn't have too much crowd support, but dug deep winning the first set in the tiebreak 7-2, but shortly falling to Fritz 3-4 and four in the next sets respectively. Fritz can overwhelm Murray with speed and power as well as momentum. Gail Monfils played well this tournament, making it to the third round after defeating Alexander Bublik in the second three and four. It was a real interesting moment when Gail decided not to attempt the ball off the terrible second serve, went down 40 love, but up a break for the next match to the next game. To save energy, one would assume. The umpire did call him up on it and gave him a warning for a lack of effort with a cheeky laugh from Bublik. Oh, I'm going to play the clip now, it's actually quite funny. For that one. And Monfils. <laughs> not interested in that one either. Is, <laughs> is already walking to his bench. Good violation, lack of best efforts. Warning, Mr. Monfils. Well, that's a, I think, a fair call, isn't it? I mean, yes, you're thinking about the next game to serve it out. Maybe Monfils didn't think it was a problem if it was just on a single point, because it, it's not a consistent... Yeah, you can see Pooplet getting involved with his little giggle. Love it. Monfils carried on with the momentum, though. Took the next game to close out the entertaining match in Washington. He would eventually fall to Talon in the next round. Ben Shelton lost in the first round to Jerry Shang, who defeated TFO in the next round. Jerry Shang, or Jean Sheng, is quite a comical bloke, liking to refer to his tennis playing style as Tom and Jerry. Yeah, why not? He's only 18 from Beijing, China, born in 2005, and the lefty is currently ATP 149. I see a decent career in Jerry, only to go up with age. Yeah, I'd say that's about a decent Washington recap. The ATP 500 could have seen a Fritz TFO blockbuster with crowd involvement at its highest, but we got Dan Evans versus Talon Grigspoor instead, as well as Rain. Not hating on either two, just could have had a lot more potential for the hype. Good to see both players making an ATP 500 final. A 250 took place in Los Cabos, Mexico, which Stefanos Tsitsipas took his first title of the year against the Alex D. Menor, taking his record to 10 love against the Demon. It makes sense, Demon doesn't have the offensive pressure that it takes to defeat Sitsipas with his weaker backhand. Stefanos only dropped one set en route to the final in a close tiebreak in his quarterfinal match against Chilean Nicholas Jarry, who's had a stellar year. Second seed Cam Norrie bowed out early in the tournament to 24-year-old and ATP 129 American Alexander Kovacic in a tight affair, 5-7-7-6-6-4. Tommy Paul met the Demon in the quarterfinal in also another exciting matchup, with Alex taking victory 6-4-3-6-6-3. Alex enjoys playing in Mexico a lot. He actually speaks Spanish, spends half his year in Spain, hence his decent track record in the Central American spot. Borna Koric breezed through the semifinals too, taking on Tsitsipas and falling short 3-2. and two. Koric defeated Ilya Ivishka from Bulgaria, I want to say, and Jason Jung on the route to the said finals. But it was always Stefanos in control, with Demon coming up against Dominic Kopfer in the semis. He was challenged in the second set and lost the tiebreak, but won the first and last set comfortably 2-1. The court at Los Cabos is epic. It's like a weird grey on the outside and a perfect blue for the viewer at home on the court itself. I really love the aesthetic. 
So does Sitsipas. Here's what he had to say regarding Mexico and the Acapulco 500. Demon won it earlier this year against Tommy Paul. I'm coming back in February uh, in 2024 for both uh, Los Cabos and Acapulco. Um, feeling welcomed every single time. Uh, people have uh, been very joyful and excited to come see me play and that adds excitement to myself. Um, getting as well uh, prepared for that as possible. Um, and hopefully we can keep building memories together and, and forming beautiful moments on and off court, swimming in the ocean, playing tennis, enjoying tacos. Uh he means well, Stefanos does. I'm not sure if the taco bit was necessary, but why not? Tacos are great. The other 250 took place over in Austria and saw Argentinian clay maestro Sebastian Bayes victorious over Dominic Team, who made his first ATP final since 2020. Team actually saved five match points en route to the final against Laszlo Gier. I'm actually going to play a short clip recapping the moment. as the winner of one of the great matches we've seen on tour this year. Team into his first ATP Tour final in more than two and a half years since before the injury. What a significant moment this is and what a place for him to do it. Yeah, he had the biggest smile on his face winning that match and it was so entertaining. I love an ooh and an ah from the crowd. Followed promptly and rightly so by a shh. And then it's just tension. My new friend, a community radio station, a volunteer here at in Adelaide, 3D, read a poem about tennis they wrote not long ago discussing this very phenomena. And the respect without all the roughness that other sports embrace. And then finally meeting at the net in physical embrace after battling 20 metres away from each other and standing in each other's very footsteps for hours at a time. Tennis is my favourite sport on earth and deserves more than two weeks of attention it gets here each year in Australia. I'll try and get permission to read the poem on the podcast because I thought it was significant and truthful. But yeah, if you would like to learn more about Generali in which Bayes defeated Tim in front of his home crowd, Rian won in the final, go search it up. I'm not going to cover much more clay court tennis. I'm a strong petitioner for ATP 1000 Masters on grass. You'll come to learn that over the... 100,000 episodes the ATP Circuit Cafe is going to have. And the fact grass is reduced to a mere five weeks within the tennis world is an absolute travesty for the game. My opinions consist of that of capitalistic factors at play revolving around entertainment and watchability of the clay court versus grass court tennis. You'll find longer rallies are more entertaining for the average tennis consumer, but that just favours a portion of specific players, such as Bayes. There are three ATP clay masters and zero grass. At least with hardcourt, you have indoor masters and outdoor, with Paris being indoor and it being a whole different match at large. See Rafael Nadal's record on indoor hardcourt. See Holger Rune's record on indoor hardcourt. Different players suit different environments, and one shouldn't be more accommodated than the other. I'm calling for equality of the surfaces. I'm sure I've seen this opinion shared on the tennis subreddit. ATP Circuit Cafe is extremely pro-grasscourt tennis. I love Newport, as I feel like I'm just not done with grass following Wimbledon. As often, the most entertaining of finals are played, like... See this year, for example, 2019. And then it's it like, is grass just over? Except for a 250 in Long Island or Rhode Island or one of the islands in New York. I don't know. I'm not from there. But yeah, like, yeah. that's the recap for this week's tournaments. Winners in Sitsipas in Mexico and Bays in Austria for the 250s and a winner still to be determined of the 500 in Washington with Evans up 7-5 in the first set and a rain delay stopping any progress on the court. 
Now, time to get stuck into Toronto. The National Bank Open is an ATP 1000 Masters tournament, one of nine Masters. I think it's eight now that Shanghai has been delayed or like cancelled. Last year's victor saw a unique one in unseated Spaniard Pablo Carreno Busta taking the cup, who played very well defeating big serving pole Hubie Hercax in the final. PCB hasn't done much since, to be frank. So the Toronto draw sees the top eight seeds automatically through to the round of 32, whilst nine through 16, which are the remaining seeded players, will have to take on a first round opponent in the round of 64. One of these exciting first round matchups is ninth seed Francis TFO after his disappointing run in Washington to take on wildcard Canadian and former Wimbledon Grand Slam finalist, as well as OTP Circuit Cafe's favourite big server, Milos Rayanich. I thought Rainish was well and truly done, but it's great to see him back on court. He used to play with a Wilson blade. It was so striking back in 2015-16 in his New Balance outfit. I love seeing the Rainish days where he dismantled opponents with that serve. 11th seed Cam Norrie takes on Alex Di Menor in the first round, who actually isn't seeded going into the tournament. With an ATP ranking of 19, he's just missed out. Two next-gen players in Brandon Nakashima, who in my opinion had a disappointing 2023 and big hitter Jiri Lehechka, take each other on in the first round for a chance to verse third seed Norwegian Kasper Rude in the round of 32. Alexander Zverev is the 13th seed. He's going to have to face informed Dutchman Talon Greg Spore, who's playing in the Washington final as we speak. Well, delayed final as we speak. In the first round, winner taking on big American with a unique serve JJ Wolf, or Spaniard and brutal rallier as well as questionable decision maker in Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Matteo Berrettini, also former Wimbledon finalist, is unseated in the tournament, currently stands at ATP 40, his career high is 6. He'll have to take on Frenchman, and bear with me for this one, Gregoire Berrer, I reckon, for a chance to verse 7th seed and fellow Italian Yannick Sinner. Canadian native Felix Auger-Aliassime is the 10th seed and will take on Aussie qualifier Max Purcell, who's having a really nice ATP challenger season. I reckon he made five finals and he's won three. Sebi Corda, who bowed out early of Washington, is also unseeded and will take on Argentinian Thomas Martin Echeverri in the round of 64, with the winner going ahead to take on either Grigor Dimitrov or 14th seed Borna Koric, which promises a nice matchup. Holger Rune shares the bracket with Carlos Alcaraz as a potential quarterfinal matchup, as Alcaraz sits on the top of the bracket as the first seed, with a potential matchup against Ben Shelton in the round of 32. Tsitsipas is the fourth seed, who shares the bracket with Yannick Sinner, whilst Andre Rublev is the sixth seed, sharing the bracket with Kasper Ruud, the third seed. Medvedev and Taylor Fritz are on the bottom of the bracket as the second and eighth seeds, respectively, and could be an exciting quarterfinal match as well. For me, I truly believe as well, I want to say the majority of the tennis community believes as well that Alcaraz will prevail with all his might in this tournament. It takes a truly special performance, or cramp, to beat Alcaraz. He goes for so much and does it perfectly. I recently saw a photo on the tennis subreddit of children's facial reactions to seeing Carlitos in real life, and they're just stunned. He truly seems like the next Federer of our generation. Let's hope he stays healthy and dominant as players can experience burnout and not take full advantage of their situation, going for too much too soon. Oh, actually, the Reddit was posted a photo of Zverev and uh, Alcaraz playing golf together, with Alexander referencing that in quotes, at least we can beat him at something, which suggests Carlos isn't the greatest at golf. But I love to see ATP players getting along. I do like seeing a beef evolve over time as well as we all do, but Alcaraz just ain't that guy, is he? Last episode, I made some pretty bold predictions regarding the events of Washington. Who's going to win that? Or win what? I don't know. I wasn't 100% confident, nor should have I been, as the tournament was basically flipped on its head from round one. So this week, I'm going to make some bolder predictions. Alexander Bublik, you're going to make the semifinals. Unseated in a bracket of Yannick Sinner and Alcaraz in your bracket. You can do it. I believe in you and, and Holger Rune. Yep. 
Stefanos, you're going to lose your first round. Unlucky, mate. Uh, you've just come off a win in the 250. You're not going to win here. You're too focused on your miso. So those are my two bold predictions. Neither of them will probably come true knowing my track record so far. I really want Holger to do well. I love watching a tennis player when they're truly passionate about the cause. It's why I like watching Alex D. Manor in Australia, for example, or like for the Davis Cup. It's just so entertaining. He cares so much. A Medvedev Alcaraz final would be nice, but some say Medvedev would just get handled very quickly, as he did against Alcaraz at Wimbledon. In fact, the two were training together on the weekend on the centre court. Alcaraz is 47-4 and four this year. It's amazing stats. It's actually his debut in Toronto. He hasn't played here before. The ATP race for the finals starts to come into play around here. The tournament's become increasingly important for players to attempting to qualify for Nido. Nido's the town where it's held in Italy. For example, Kaspar Ruud is in 8th position, but in the 3rd seed in the tournament. Zverev is 10th in the race, but around ATP 14-15. Wrapping up at the end here of the podcast, Andy Murray's actually playing too. Can't believe I didn't talk about him. He's won the Canada Masters 3 times. Can't ever count him out, can ya? He's versing unseeded Italian Lorenzo Sonego in the first round. I reckon that's a nice place to leave it here for this week at the cafe. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your ears. Hope you have a lovely week. Get out on the court if you can or hit a ball against your wall or something. Throw one at your cat. Not at it, but near it. See you next week. Hope you enjoyed your meal. Been Lewis, ATP Circuit Cafe, Episode 2.